morning, church. I apologize for my voice if it sounds a little deep today. You know, it's all going around, isn't it? Um, there was, and I told this to the Bible class this morning, but there was a moment in one of my past sermons whenever I had all of this happening, and uh, I came to the, to the stage and I went, how you doing? <laughs> and my voice was so low like that. So I, I basically said, Batman is going to give your sermon today. It was great. You could have heard a pin drop. It was a wonderful moment. Um, But I am so glad to be able to stand in front of you today. This has been a good series, hasn't it? I think the classes, man, thank you so much for all of you who have taught these classes. Thank you for coming. Thank you for participating in this. And, And I am hoping, above everything, that God has been recognized in you, that you have been able to see Him working in your life. Because this vision he's calling us to is a big one. It's not undo, it's not un, it's, it's very doable with the help of the Holy Spirit. We can all participate in the vision that he's calling us to. It's, my hope is that this is not something that we'll be able to say, okay, good, that was a great time in February. All right, let's go back to normal. You know, whenever we're in our staff meetings, sometimes it's always like, well, what else can we do to get people to come to, to Bible class? What about a juggler? You know, whatever we have to, to do. <laughs> but there is, there is something good, inherently good, about being together. So thank you. And this is not the end of our year, by the way. We're still meeting next Sunday. But I hope that today... We will be able to wrap this up in a way that is encouraging and inspiring to you. Because you know we've talked about things. I've just mentioned it to these kids. We've talked about what it means to be people who reach up. That's what we want to do. We want to connect to God together. We want to find out ways to surround ourselves with the things of God. And you know, honestly, sometimes we can't do that on our own. We have to have friends who can surround us with the things of God because we can't do it. Whatever that means, we need help, just like a child needs help to learn. Sometimes we need each other to surround one another with the things of God. We need to be people who will reach in, because we do, again, need each other. I mean, there are people in this room who do not know one another. That's okay for now, but I don't want it to stay that way. We don't all have to be best friends, but we all have to be able to stand alongside one another to help, to encourage, whether we like each other or not, because that's what we've been called to. We are the body of Christ. And the eye can't say to the hand, you don't matter. Or I'm more important than you because I can see things really clearly. And they say, oh yeah, well, I can feel things clearly like you can't. It doesn't matter. We're all part of the same body. And when we reach in, when we really start loving and paying attention and spending time together, then we start realizing, wow, we have a lot more in common than I thought. Mainly in Jesus and our passion and love for Him. But we've all been called to the same thing. And and today we get to our third point. And it's something that I think we need to begin to look at through the very words of Jesus. I always say, if you want to know where to start reading Scripture, go to the words of Jesus. If you have trouble studying, or if you don't know where to start, start with the words of Jesus. So that's what we're going to be. So turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5. We're going to let these words of Christ dwell in us today. Let's pray as we begin. Our Heavenly Father, thank you for this wonderful day. 
Lord, thank you for, as Bob puts it, Sunday. Mm, Thank you for rising again, for giving us a day to look forward to. Lord, so much of the world today is living on Saturday. Hopeless. Lord, they have no idea what you've done, what you're capable of doing. Whether it's because of their own anger or hurt, or just the fact that they may have never seen Jesus' love up close and personal. Lord, I pray that you would help us to be a people who will take that love to them. Open our eyes this morning and help us to hear, and I pray that you would be with my speech and language this morning as I bring the word. Help it to be clear. In Jesus' name, amen. So a few years ago, I had the privilege of going to Israel and I've been twice, and we are hopefully going to go in a year or two. I'm trying to figure out when. So be looking for a notice about an Israel trip that we'll take. But I got to go to the Sea of Galilee. We spent a few days in the Sea of Galilee, and it was beautiful. And I snapped this with my iPhone. And the water was perfectly still. I had just talked to my wife on FaceTime. You remember that? And it was, it was a surreal moment. And after I hung up with her, I just stood and I, I had a moment with God on that shell-covered beach. And I thought to myself, I wonder how many times Jesus saw this sunset from this moment, from this place. Now, he may not have ever stood at that exact spot. But, oh, how many times did he see it? And for a brief moment, I thought, man, I'm kind of seeing the world As Jesus saw it. So while we were there, we went to that area that claims to be the place where they had the Sermon on the Mount. If you want to know where any historical place is there, then just look for the church. Because they have a church on every historical site, even if it wasn't really one. If they thought it happened, there's a church there. Now, I don't know if this was the exact place, but it could have been. It could have been. And it was there, and looking out over the Sea of Galilee, we sat, uh, us, there were probably 16 or 17 of us, we sat and we read Matthew 5 through 7 together. And it was such an amazing experience that I decided I'm going to memorize the Sermon on the Mount. And so I spent the next few months on those three chapters every morning. So I'm going to work. I would just let it play on, you know, the Bible Gateway or something, just let it play, and I would just, <laughs> I would just repeat it, as soon as, like, like a translator, you know, as soon as I heard it, I would say it, over and over and over, I did that, on the way to work, on the way home, just kept repeating it over and over, and in these three chapters, God is telling us how He sees the Torah, and the Torah is a law, law is another word for teaching, in these three chapters, this is the largest collection of, of I guess, a continuous speech from Jesus that we have. And he's telling us how he sees the Torah. This is the same Torah that the Jews had been trying to get right for so long. The Torah that was meant to show the world that it was loved by God, by the one and only God. The Torah that was all about loving God and loving your neighbor. The Torah that he had come to fulfill, that he said was summed up in these few chapters. This passage, it's the yoke of Jesus. And I may have said this before, but the yoke is not that thing you put on on a cattle. The yoke is the way a rabbi saw Scripture. 
It has a double meaning too, but the, the yoke is what, it's the way the rabbi saw Scripture. And this is the way that Jesus saw the Torah. Now, some rabbis had a different yoke. Most agreed in the important commands. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. They all agreed on that for the most part. But where they differed was what was the second most important command. And some people said it was the Sabbath. Some people said it was, you know, you don't put any other gods before me. What was Jesus' second most important commandment? Love your neighbor as yourself. And he said those two, that the law was summed up in those two commandments. So this passage, the whole passage is the yoke of Jesus. And, and he begins explaining this yoke of understanding by showing us who God pays attention to. He blessed those people who were probably a little frazzled and didn't quite have it all, have it all together. He blessed those people who were in pain. Those people who were, who were really suffering. He blessed those people who were kind of on the outside, the ones who weren't trying to have power. They were kind of humble. He, he blessed those people who were seeking God. You know, and those, those people who were, were probably suffering for it. You know, He blessed those people. He included them in the family. And from the very beginning, Jesus is reorienting his audience to something brand new and something radical. And it's, it's a very clear but a very different view of the Torah than the view of those hypocritical and power-hungry leaders that were so much in control of everything. Because the Torah has always been about God and others. Always. And Jesus was showing us that God cares for the unlovable and the outsider. And if God cares for these types of people, then shouldn't we? So he blesses the poor in spirit. And he blesses those who mourn. And he blesses the meek and those who are hungry and thirsty for righteousness. He even blesses the merciful and those pure in heart. And he blesses those people who want to make peace. He wants to bring people together. And he blesses those people who are so God-hungry that other people are afraid of them, so they start persecuting them for it. He says, blessed are you. In fact, you're so blessed, rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way, the prophets before you were treated. And then he goes on to say something that I think is still very applicable to us today. And this is where we're going to rest. Matthew five thirteen. he says this. He says, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's good for nothing but to be thrown outside and trampled underfoot. He says, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither would you light a lamp and put it under a bowl. (laughs) No. You light a lamp, you place it on its stand, and it gives light to the entire house. And he says, in the same way, let your light shine before men so that they will see your good works and will glorify your Father in heaven. 
This is the word of the Lord. Now, did you catch that? Because it took me 44 years before I really caught what he's saying here. Because for so long, I thought to myself, yes, I need to be salt. Yes, I need to be light. But he's not saying that. In fact, it took uh, Randy Harris, he's an ACU professor, to actually bring it up to me. He said, he said no, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. There's a big difference between you need to be and you are. Because from the very outset, Jesus is telling us who we are. It is a matter of fact with him. And there is a big difference between saying someone, you need to be this. You need to be more kind or more patient or, or, or telling them, you know, you're already capable of being kind and patient. Did you know that? Just two different things because you are salt. You are light. And I know some of us have come into this room today and we have this idea that we are not capable of making a difference, that, that, that we feel for some reason that we have to be this perfect person to be able to reach out to somebody and influence them for Christ. We think that because um, we have done something that may have damaged our credibility that we can't reach out to someone. We think because we don't know what to say in just the right order that we really can't reach out to someone. And maybe you think that you've barely managed your own life and you can't even manage your own life, much less try to help someone manage theirs. And I know we've all at least been in one of those scenarios at one point in our life. Some of you probably are sitting in that scenario right here. But I want to remind you of something, because this is, this is where you are. I want to remind you of something. None of that matters. None of it. Because no matter how much you know, how well-spoken you are, how unpopular or disconnected or unredeemable you think you are, if you have the Holy Spirit within you, then you are salt. You are light. And a little bit of light and a little bit of salt goes a very long way. Salt is an additive, you know that? And I know that you've never probably said this out loud, but, but here's something we all know. Salt was never meant to be the focus of a meal. I mean, how many times do we go to a restaurant and we say, oh, oh, that was some good salt. My compliments to the chef. Woo! <laughs> I know it's kind of silly. Now, when you get too much salt, you say, whoa, that was a lot of salt. But salt was never meant to be the focus of a meal. <laughs> but without salt, will you go back? Now, some of you are sitting there and you say, I can't have salt. My doctor has banned it from me. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'll pray for you after church today, and we can... There are, there are substitutes, I think. <laughs> but without salt, it's completely bland. It's flavorless. 
Salt affects everything it touches. And you, in the same way, were never meant to be the focus of the kingdom of heaven. You only point to it. That's what our job is. Our job is to bring it out. In our communities, in our sphere of influence, we bring out the flavor of the kingdom of heaven. And when we are fully present in our world, when we're willing to go to these places, and when we're willing to let the Spirit work through us, when we choose to put others first and to see the people of all situations, of all social classes, of all legal or illegal status, when we see them as creations of God, then, then we will be difference makers in them. Because you are salt. So allow God to let you be salt to the people who need salt. Never said salt so many, many, many times in my life. I still am going to say it some more. Of course, Jesus also says if the salt loses its saltiness, then it will be good for nothing but to be thrown outside and trampled underfoot. He says, if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? Because I believe that if we choose to stay comfortable, if we choose not to go, not to reach out into our world, hear me, this may be offensive to some. If we choose not to go and not to reach out into the world, then I think it's as if we are never leaving our baptismal water. It's like we're staying in the baptistry. What happens when you stay in the water too long? We were never meant to stay in the water. Because when something stays in the water, it gets bloated, diluted, pruny. No, we rise out of the water and we go. We rise out to live because we rise out. We don't stay in the tomb. We rise out because we have a life to live and people to help in a world to transform. And, and, and in Israel's day, their salt was not like our salt it is today. It was thicker, it was chunkier, it was rocky, it was not pure salt. So if it did get wet, a lot of that salt compound would leave, and what you were left with was a rock. Just a little rock that had nothing. Salt is, that isn't salty, it's, it's, and I've said this before, it's pretty funny. Salt isn't salty, it's like eventually, if you have salt that's not salty, it's like you're drinking diet, caffeine-free, sugar-free Coke. At some point, you're just drinking brown, right? <laughs> What's the point? <laughs> salt that isn't salty is worthless. If we are the salt of the earth, but we never leave the safety of our homes or our cliques or our groups so that we can reach out, then what good are we? If the creator of the, creator of the world, the one who's created every living thing and called it good, if, if the creator of the world, the maker of everything, tells you you are salt and that your presence will enhance the world around you, it will help to preserve and to balance and to bring out the kingdom of God, and you say, no, I'm going to stay inside for a while. What are we even here for? Because if you are a disciple of Jesus Christ, you are salt. But look who's talking to in this, in this sermon. He's looking at people who, are, who have been through it. They've been through difficulty. They've been through suffering. They've been through need and distress and, pro and poverty. And, and through these things, oh man, we've been through these things as well, some of us. 
These are people who have been through the fire. Now, today's salt is, is refined. It won't really ever lose its saltiness because it's been refined. However they do that process, through fire or what? Don't you think it's the same with us? God's refining us so that we can be salt that never lose its saltiness. And it's the same with light, too, because, you know, a little bit of light goes a very long way. A little bit of light can be seen in the darkness for miles. And if, and if you are the light on a hill, people will see you. We're literally a church on a hill. You can see us from all across the town. I love that. Our church can be seen because we have chosen to be high here. We've chosen to be on a tall place, on a place that can be seen. We don't want to hide. We have chosen to stand out. And I want us as individuals to do the same. Let's choose to stand out and not to hide. Because every single day we walk among people who need light. People who are in some very dark places. Now think about this. You may see someone who's very elegant. They may look like they have it all together. They may smile. They may laugh. The Facebook posts describe a particular way of life. But there are people each and every day among us who are in very dark times. You could be the only light that makes its way into their world. You shine without even realizing it. Because if the Spirit is in you, you are shining. But if we aren't willing to leave our homes, the safety of even our church, if this is the only place we want to shine is on a Sunday morning, how is the world going to benefit from that? When we shine here on a Sunday, oh, it's bright. But I love it when those lights go out into this world. My hope is that this year we can be a people who are reaching out, shining, because this is the same as hiding our light under a bowl if we just stay in this room. No, we need to be people who are shining in our communities, in our neighborhoods, at our work, at our school, with people that we may assume already know God. We don't know if people that we know know God or not. I don't care how many scriptures you've got on your bumper stickers. There are some people who need the light that you have to offer. So this year, our vision is that we are going to be intentional about reaching out. But this is not just about inviting people to church. Hear me. I hope you really do invite people to church, by the way. But a lot of times we just invite people to church and then we look back and it's like, okay, is he going to come or not? This is not about inviting people to church. This is about being people who can insert yourself into our community, okay? And I'm just going to say start small. Start in your street. Because there are people who need this family of faith. There are people in your community who need a family of faith. Some people think, oh, I'm good. I go to church every once in a while. But they don't really have a family of faithful people who can surround them with the things of God, who can help them reach up. Then... They need you to show them this. I'm not worried about what God's going to do here because he's bringing us people and, and he's bringing us opportunities for transformation. You know, this church is growing. It's happening. I'm not worried about that. I 
I want us to be people who are salt and light and very aware of it. So this is what I want you to do. This is your challenge, okay? I want each of you to think of one person in your immediate sphere of influence. I'm going to give you like five seconds. Silence. I don't know who came to your mind, but I want you to think of one person who could be in your friend group or your family. It could be someone you work with, someone who attends school with you. It could be somebody who, who you may see each and every day. It could be one person who the Holy Spirit is putting on your heart right here and right now. I believe he's doing that, by the way. And, and my hope is, my challenge is that I, I'm going to challenge you to focus on that person for the next month. Let's just say one month. March the 10th, between now and then. I want you to focus on this one person. I want you to invite them to church if you want. But what I really want you to do is I want you to encourage them. I want you to listen to them. If this is a person that you've argued with, then your job is to listen to them. I want you to pay attention to them. Pray for them. I want you to be yourself. Make this person the subject of your family prayers, your personal prayers, or prayers at mealtime. I want this person to be on your lips to God for the next month. I want you to pray for their soul. I want you to pray for their transformation. I want you to pray for an opportunity to share your life with them. Because if the Spirit is putting this person on your mind right now, it's probably because they need salt and they need light in their life. And listen, you are the salt and light that they need. You. Don't push it off to someone else. And I'm talking to myself here too, folks. So be with them and share what God has placed in you. Because this is is stuff way too valuable to keep to ourselves. And we have an opportunity today. So we already reach out in so many ways. I mean, we've got got our missions, our ministries. We've got Rustry. We've got college campus oh man we transformed the campus we're going to transform the world we already do so much but now i want to make it personal this is a larger vision but it's a personal one and if we each take one person and we pour our life into them and i know some of you probably are thinking of the same person that's okay gang up on them But imagine if we were to think of one person and pour our life into them. Imagine this time, next year, what God will do in 750 people. Because every one of those 750 people know 750 people who know people. We could go on. It starts right here, right now. And it begins when we choose to reach out and be what Jesus told us we already are. Just be yourself. Let God shine through you. You don't have to be perfect. You just have to be who you are. And God said, you are salt and you are light. But we have to do it together. I think that's important. It's an important piece of the puzzle. Each of us. So students, reach out. If you're retired, reach out. 
If you're way busy with kids and all over the place during the week, reach out. If you're newly married, reach out. Wherever you are, reach out. And we will show this world just what God is capable of. Because he's trying and he wants to do it. And he wants you to have the joy of participating in that mission and that vision. It's what he's calling us to. And I'm all in. Are you? Let's stand together. I'm at, in the front and my wife's here with me and we would love to pray with you. Our elders are all around. Let's pray together and sing. If, if you're having problems thinking of somebody, a particular person, then I'm going to encourage you that maybe this is God saying, hey, you need to get out. <laughs> you need to start participating and take the long way around every once in a while. Because there are people all around us who need salt and who need light. So today I want to wrap up our series by telling you, encouraging you to reach up. Have prayer be an active daily part of your life. Even if you don't think it's working, pray. Connect with God. Be a people who reach in. Get to know the people in this room because they're going to be the ones who walk alongside you and as, as God changes the world through us. Reach in and love. Practice and work out your salvation together and be a people who reach out because there are things that God still wants to do in this city. It's going to happen through us. I believe it. God is good and He's going to be great through you. Amen.